Women's health is so important and balanced hormones are key for that. We've been loving Hormone Harmony from Happy Mammoth, who's committed to making women's lives easier. Hormone Harmony contains adaptogens, science-backed herbal extracts that help the body adapt to stressors like hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. We love it because it helps us maintain optimal hormone levels and supports our mood and general well-being. There is a reason that one bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code F1R the girls at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code F1R the girls for 15% off today. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to For the Girls. We are excited to bring you a Dutch Grand Prix preview and a Max Deep Dive today since, of course, that is fitting for his home Grand Prix and plus his results this season. So as always, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at F1R the Girls. And also we're on Discord now. You can find the link in our link tree. And it's been so fun chatting with everyone. So definitely join us there. People are recapping the races live and everything so definitely check it out and make some new for the girls friends we are all meeting up this weekend in dublin so we're so excited and we'll let you know how it goes i'm sarah i'm chessa and i'm tiggy so getting into the dutch grand prix this is arguably like the super bowl for dutch fans and max's orange army expect to see ungodly amounts of orange flares this weekend um, the track is really well known for its unique location it's in the beach resort town of zanvoort and it's super close to the beach and even cuts through some of the dunes which is really cool and at the same time, it's less than an hour from Amsterdam. So it just seems like a really fun place to go for a vacation, Grand Prix, if you don't mind all the orange. And it's also one of these old school classic tracks, a little bit like Spa. So it's a great stretch of races for F1 fans who are more into these sorts of tracks instead of the newer tracks and street circuits. So expect lots of fun stuff this weekend. Okay, let's talk about the history of the track. So the Zandvoort track has been central to Dutch racing culture for many, many decades. Its history actually spans back all the way to the 1940s. And I wanted to call out a little interesting World War II story. I think everyone will think it's awesome. So the mayor of the town believed or really believed in the potential of racing for the future fortunes of his town. So we started planning around building a permanent racing facility there. Unfortunately, this was the time of World War II, so that definitely halted these efforts, but he kind of like kept scheming in the background and basically in the end had told the Germans that he would like to hold a parade for the winners of the war, so they built themselves a new road. This was also a sneaky way that he could avoid sending his own local citizens being sent to Germany to work as prisoners of war. Instead, they stayed home and built the road, and then eventually the road that they built for themselves that formed the main straight of the new circuit. So really, really interesting. I love when circuits have all of this really rich history. And I think it's just just an interesting tidbit. This track was home to the Formula One Grand Prix from 1952 to 1985. And then the circuit went into a period of decline. It was constantly having to make updates and repairs for safety. There were some fatal crashes here 
in the 70s and basically to be able to keep up with all the FIA regulations, it was just too much of a financial burden. So the track kind of went into decline, went through changes and stopped hosting Formula One races. Then the new owners really got the circuit back on the map in like the 2010s, which luckily for them coincided with the meteoric rise of Max Verstappen. So definitely great timing there. And then the race was canceled in 2020, like the first one back for COVID, but it was back in 2021. And of course, we're here again this year. Yeah, this seems fun. Maybe I'll, I want to go, maybe I'll drag you both with me and make you wear orange against your will. <laughs> do that for you. <laughs> okay, so this circuit, it's 4.2 kilometers. It's definitely one of the shorter circuits on the calendar. 72 laps. Turn one is called Tarzan and is a hairpin, which is fun. So there's 14 turns and two DRS zones. The first DRS zone is on the short straight between turns 10 and 11. It's pretty standard. But the second one is fun because it's through the banked final corner at turn 14. And last year, it wasn't going through that corner because there were some safety concerns. But for FP1, the FIA is testing the extension of the DRS zone an extra 300 meters through the last corner, which is that really banked corner. So the idea is that this will make it easier for overtaking going into turn one. It's basically cars wheel to accelerate all the way into the first braking zone at the Tarzan hairpin into their next lap. And so if it seems safe and like it's working well during FP1, then the extended DRS zone will be in place all weekend, which is exciting. And Hamilton holds the lap record here from 2021. Nice. Uh, so last race, the overall summary of the race was that Max was under intense hometown pressure, but of course showed up and massively delivered. He got pole and then led the whole race and won, beating Lewis by 20 seconds. And so a little bit about the vibes at the track. I think last year, this race was a huge party atmosphere for the Dutch fans. Max is a national hero in the Netherlands and his Orange Army was in full force, of course. And just a little background on the Orange Army, that refers to the fact that orange is the national color of the Netherlands. And at the race last year, it looked like almost every single person there was wearing orange and the king of Netherlands also attended the race. So royalty in present. Um Expect something similar or potentially even bigger this year. Hopefully the flares are kept under control because it's pretty inappropriate for the drivers to be driving through an orange smog. So hopefully it's kept as just a celebratory thing at the end, but that might be too optimistic. And also hopefully there isn't any fan harassment like what occurred at the Austrian Grand Prix. So keep an eye out for that. But hopefully fans have learned their lesson. So the results of the race... So on podium, it was Max, Lewis, and Botas, then Gasly with in, an impressive P4. Then we had Charles, Alonso, Sainz, and then Checo rounding out the top eight. Definitely the spiciest moment of all of this was Botas going rogue and ignoring Mercedes team orders. At one point, he was flying and then he was told not to get fastest lap so that Hamilton could get it instead. Botas ignored that, set fastest lap, and then Hamilton went and one-upped him and got it again. Um, Toto was basically said that Botas was being, quote, cheeky, which I think is a cute way to put it. Um, and then also, like we said, Gasly had a very strong weekend. He had qualified P4. He stayed in the front of Leclerc and hung on to P4 for the race. So what type of racing can we expect? It's a challenging drive on this track for sure. Hamilton called the track epic and a real racing circuit last year. 
banking is one of the really unique features here. So the steep banking, especially in that new extended DRS zone we just mentioned, will be tough. But the drivers really love the challenge, and several drivers have mentioned how fun it makes this circuit. And it really does make this circuit unique. Most F1 circuits aren't banked, so that means the corners aren't tilted in or out on an incline. But in contrast, the final corner here, turn 14, is banked at 18 degrees, and it's a full throttle, <laughs> flat-out corner. So that's pretty wild. If you look at photos, you can see how tilted inward it is. And turn three, it's called Hugenholtz, is also quite banked and hits up to 19 degrees Plus, it's wide enough for wheel-to-wheel racing, and only a few corners on this circuit are totally flat. So, very exciting. Wow, that's wild. Some other features. Turn six is tough due to the gravel traps, so we'll see how Botas does on that this this (laughs) weekend. He does love gravel. Um, Plus, big elevation changes throughout the circuit. The track really has it all. The banking, the elevation, slow, tight hairpins and fast flowing corners. So there's something for everyone here. And also the track is pretty good for overtaking. So hopefully there will be even more overtaking on the final corner and the straight going into turn one with the DRS extension if the extension is actually implemented for the weekend. Okay, friends, it's festival and concert season, and you know it's all about the boots this year. That's why you need to make Tacovas your number one place for festival style this spring. And don't forget to shop their seasonal and limited edition offerings, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. We love Tacovas. They have a first wear comfort, which basically means there's no break in period. It's the best thing ever. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personal. Personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's really no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, though, just visit tecovas.com, T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. We all need a little extra health booth sometimes, and Fleur Marche makes it easy for us to supercharge our wellness. Their botanical wellness patches have been such a fun addition to our routine. We just stick them on wherever we want. They have them for sleep, relaxation, focus, and other things. And the patch delivers ingredients to your body in a subtle but effective way, and the results last up to 12 hours. Fleur Marche also has botanical gummies and their new organic nutritional powder, Green Machine. They only use the best ingredients and are tested for potency, contaminants, and heavy metals before and after production. And one of our favorite things, we also love that the company is founded and inspired by women with the mission of helping us feel 100% every single day so that we can have full energy and crush it every day. Find your new wellness essentials at fleurmarche.com and get a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your first order site-wide with promo code FORTHEGIRLS at checkout. Orders over $50 also get free shipping. Go to fleurmarche, F-L-E-U-R-M-A-R-C-H-E.com. Use code FORTHEGIRLS for 20% off your first order. Okay, let's talk about the teams and what we can expect from them for this weekend. So Ferrari, for some reason, I always get stuck talking about Ferrari, which I don't mind. But in a sense for them, we're trying to look at the bright side here. Maybe being out of the championship contention will be good for them because it'll really just let them dig down and focus on improving their whole operation for next year instead of trying to deal with all the hype of the title fight, which in reality, like they just can't compete with Red Bull anymore. 
And they haven't explicitly said that it's over, but Charles said that it was looking, quote, very, very difficult. So I think they're pretty close to admitting that. One thing is that Binotto, he does never seem to admit his mistakes. We talk about it all the time here. He barely even hints that the team has things to work on, which is hilarious. And it must be some sort of PR thing, but I think people are a little bit perplexed by that. At Spa, they were really struggling with tire deg. So that'll be something to look out for this weekend. But overall, I think Ferrari does think Zandvoort might be a little bit of a better track for them. In terms of pure pace, Charles did say that after Spa, Red Bull was just on another planet. So we'll see this weekend if that's a more track-specific thing or if Red Bull really has just leapt ahead. Red Bull, it is looking likely that Max could wrap up the title in October in Singapore, Japan, or the U.S. So very much unlike last year, it's possible that we'll go into the last several races with the championship, at least the driver's championship already decided. And at least in Spa, Red Bull as we discussed in the recap, is really just at peak performance. They seem to have found that mystical unicorn <laughs> state where they can maintain their very quick straight line speed. Charles made a comment about how it basically looked like they had no downforce on the streets, but at the same time have enough downforce to still be as fast as Ferrari in the corners. And one thing we're looking at for this weekend, it'll be interesting to watch Checo's performance relative to Max. It was a bit of a Botas lewis situation last weekend where Checo can have an objectively great weekend, finishes P2, which any other driver is going to be so thrilled about, but then is still compared to Max. And Max was just so fast last weekend. So Checo started P2 and Max started P14 and still beat Checo by 18 seconds. Yeah, it's wild. (laughs) Mercedes, this season, as sad as it is to say for me as a fan, it feels like a bit of a wash at this point. I think the team and drivers seem to be switching their focus to how they can improve for next year. Toto made some comments about the tough spot the team is in deciding whether or not they need to change up the car concept for next year. He said it's a, quote, difficult situation because they can't endlessly test new concepts for the car and quote, in this very moment to take a decision for next year, whatever it may be, like changing the concept dramatically, how can you be sure that that's the better direction to go? Because clearly we'll be starting a little bit way back. (laughs) That's a funny quote. Meanwhile, (laughs) he also made a host of other angsty comments. Toto has fully entered his angsty underdog phase. He said that Mercedes goes, quote, between depression and mania as a team with the huge swings in their performance (laughs) from race to race. And he also said that this year is incredibly difficult for them, despite, quote, all these nice Instagram posts and all their rhetoric about character building. So... It's pretty funny. Toto is being so angsty. <laughs> oh my gosh. And we have to give a shout out in a savage move. Hamilton posted a picture of a signed cap with the words to Fernando on it. And quick note that this crash was, was actually pretty intense. And Mercedes revealed that their data showed it was a 45G impact for Lewis, which makes Alonso look so much worse for making fun of him with the wave and everything. But on the bright side, Zandvoort is probably a slightly better climate for the car. Spa is always so damp and cold, which certainly doesn't help Mercedes struggling with tire warm up. And Zandvoort is probably a bit warmer. So maybe we'll see a good weekend from them. Alpine, they're actually in really strong form. They're looking set to extend their lead over McLaren for P4 and constructors. Remember, currently that gap is just 20 points. Alonso has Indy 500 experience, which might give him a little bit of a leg up on these banked corners at 
at Zandvoort this weekend since a lot of the other drivers aren't necessarily used to them. Akon is also on a roll. He was super happy with the car after Spa. Remember, he went from P6 to P7, P16 to P7. So hopefully he can keep that momentum going. Haas, it was announced on Tuesday that Mick's original Ferrari Driver Academy contract is going to come to a, quote, natural end after this season, which I think is a great way of putting it. It's funny. Um, It's not looking good for Mick in terms of staying at Haas. Haas has reportedly looked closely at Antonio Giovinazzi for the seat instead. Very surprised by this. Giovinazzi was dropped by Alfa Romeo for a reason. He was very chronically underperforming. And he's 28, which is a little bit on the older side of things. Haas could be taking someone like Danny Ricardo, obviously a much better driver. He comes back with an incredible brand or an American, a young driver who could be their next future. Really, there's a lot of options. So Giovinazzi seems like a little bit of a wild card in our opinion. Um, and we really just do hope that Mick can find a seat for next year. All right, McLaren, the woes for them just continue on multiple fronts. So in addition to some probably less than ideal vibes in the garage, they are also having some technical difficulties with their DRS. Lando made a comment after last weekend that when DRS is being used, the car is way slower than it should be. Also, Lando just posted on Instagram today that he broke up with his girlfriend. Sad. So sad. I think just overall pray for them in that garage this weekend. (laughs) Alpha Tauri. So they finally had a good weekend at Spa, at least for Gasly, with their points finish, their first points finish in five races. And Gasly started on the pit lane and finished P9, which is very impressive. Yuki wasn't in the points, though, in his seat, still isn't being confirmed for next year. So pressure is definitely on him a bit. And wrapping up with the last few teams here. So for Williams, as we talked about, Albon had a great weekend last weekend and was in the points in Spa. So definitely momentum for him right now. And we are so curious about the fate of the second seat. No announcement yet, which hints Latifi might be hanging on to being in consideration, which could be wild. We'll see what happens there. Aston Martin, um, the team principal, Mike Crack, made comments this weekend that despite his impending retirement, Vettel is still helping out and thinking about improvements for next year's car. What a team player. We do not deserve him. Thank you, Vettel, for your service. (laughs) Um, Aston Martin continues to really struggle with quality performance. So fingers crossed that Seb can start consistently getting into Q2. We really can't handle the sad radio messages from Q1 knockouts anymore. It's very sad. Um, And then finally, Alfa Romeo hoping to come into the race strong before their home race next weekend. They have been looking decently strong and with some good pace, but have had some bad luck, especially the last race with Botas getting beached and the fact that they had to take those power unit penalties. It's been a tough ride for them, but hoping for the best. So into our hot takes and predictions, I am going to go with something that shouldn't be a hot take, but unfortunately this season it is. I'm going to say Ferrari has an error-free weekend. Wow. I think <laughs> I, I'm not saying it's going to be flawless or perfection and that they're going to get one too, but I think they're going to really pull it together this weekend. I think they're going to look good in practice. I think they're going to qualify well and I am hoping, manifesting, that they are not going to have any big fumbles on strategy or anything else. So that is my manifestation hot take for Ferrari. Okay, big big predictions here. 
<laughs> Mine is that the podium is going to be Max, Carlos, and a surprise. And so I'm defining surprise mm-hmm. as someone besides Mercedes, Red Bull, or Ferrari, maybe an Alpine. Ocon did so amazing last weekend. I don't know. I'm just, I guess I'm also manifesting a little bit of a mix up since this season is getting a little bit predictable. So I'm going to go <laughs> for a surprise on podium. I like that one. I, I hope it's an Alpine. That would be pretty awesome. Okay, my hot take, not really hot anymore, I guess, but Max for the win. But I think Russell's going to be on podium, ideally second, and then Checo third. Russell is or has been driving so well. Again, I've said this before. He's a head down, under the radar, kind of like stick to your guns and just work work the car kind of racer. And I think it's really incredible. No drama from him. And I just really think he's he deserves to be on podium this weekend. So getting into some news this week, we have some Porsche news, like we've mentioned a lot since this announcement always seems to be incoming, yet never happened. Porsche has Porsche has been discussing entering F1 as potential engine supplier for Red Bull, but Christian made some comments this week after their insane performance at Spa that could be described as less than enthusiastic. So... <laughs> Christian's been pretty low-key about it overall, but this week said, quote, obviously we're pushing ahead with Red Bull powertrains. 2026 is still a while away. We have plenty of time, and of course, strategically, we have to do what's right for the team and for the company, but there's constructive discussion ongoing, obviously, with Porsche. So maybe with how well things are going, Red Bull doesn't want to ruin a good thing and welcome someone else, but it had seemed like such a done deal that that's really interesting if now maybe they're taking a few steps back on it. Okay, Pre-registration for the Vegas Grand Prix opened up on Monday for those that were trying to get tickets for the November 2023 race. So to pre-register, a.k.a. just get on the priority interest list, whatever that means, people actually have to donate $7.77 to the Vegas GP Foundation, which I think is actually really great. And they expected that they're going to raise enough money to donate over a million meals to those in need in the area. This race is so hyped. In April, the governor said that it's expected to draw over 170,000 people and have an estimated economic impact as 500 million. So maybe they should be donating over more than a million meals. Hopefully that'll keep going up. And finally, the Piastri drama, which we are still awaiting. (laughs) The FIA Contract Recognition Board convened on Monday to assess Oscar Piastri's case And just for some background, this board rarely meets. It's made up of a few lawyers who determine the legality of F1 contracts in a private arbitration. We are just so curious about this. I think Zach Brown made a comment about how McLaren has multiple options for drivers besides Piastri. What if they convinced Piastri to dump Alpine and then took someone else? It is just ruthless out here. (laughs) No idea what's going on. He also made a joke, Zach did, that... Uh, quote, I tried to put myself in the seat, but Andreas shot that down. So that's the only driver that we've rolled out so far. So at least he's self-aware, I guess. But knowing that he has a football team size roster <laughs> is quite wild. <laughs> For our special section today, we are doing a max deep dive in honor of his home race and his impending championship win. We wanted to cover the legend that is Max Verstappen. We'll quickly cover his backstory, career highlights, and of course, his personal life. He is the youngest ever F1 driver, youngest ever race winner, 28 wins so far, one world title, and probably soon to be two. 
This is his seventh season in F1, even though he's only 24. And we're going to keep this brief and pretty high level since, of course, he's a really big name right now. And a lot of you are probably familiar with his story, but we wanted to give you some more context. Okay, so Max's backstory. He was born in 1997. He's 24. Rip, this makes me feel really old. He's basically F1 royalty, and this sport is literally just in his blood. His dad is the former F1 driver, Joss Verstappen. His mom is Belgian go-kart champion, Sophie Kumpen. Joss Verstappen, he is very intense. He seems like one of those helicopter-style sports parents. He's often in the Red Bull garage. But let's keep in mind that I think Max is like in a whole other league than his dad, sad to say. But Joss got on the podium twice, never won a race. So that adds a little bit of additional context here. Maybe Joss wants Max to be the champion he never was. Max once said that when he was 14, his dad left him at a gas station in southern Italy because he made a mistake during the Karting World Championship. So, yeah, maybe there's a movie that could come out of this. Max recently said, quote, and sometimes, of course, you know, it felt quite harsh. But at the end now, when I look back at it, I'm happy that I grew up like that because whatever happens now, it doesn't disturb me because it's nothing, not even close to what I experienced when I was a kid. He said that to ESPN. Like, that's insane. Does he realize that that's kind of a sad statement? But maybe that's what goes into making a champion. And maybe that's why I was never a world champion at all the sports that I played growing up. (laughs) His karting and early years. So young Max first took the karting world by storm, winning national, international, and world titles. He karted against a lot of drivers on the current grid. Charles, George, Alex, even Lance. Max and Charles famously hated each other when they were like 14, which is pretty funny. And in 2014, when Max was 15 years old, he was the youngest to ever win the karting world championship and basically had accomplished everything he could in karting. So in 2014, he moved into single seaters and started his career in F3 at age 16. And in his rookie season there, he placed third in the championship and won six races. So are you sensing a theme yet? (laughs) Um, He then made his F1 debut with Toro Rosso in 2015 when he was 17 years old and became F1's youngest ever driver. And I think we have to take a moment to appreciate how wild that is. He never even did F2. He just skipped straight to F1 when he was 17. And curious, was he even done with high school? Did they need to hire a tutor for the Toro Rosso garage? Unclear. But uh, what a legend. So young. So wild. It's also a good reminder. So many drivers are like this, but... Just in terms of socialization, they never really went to school the same way or had the same childhood that a lot of us did if they were always traveling for karting and then especially Max entering F1 when he was 17. It's so wild. So then we get to F1. Toro Rosso, Max, of course, quickly broke the record for the youngest driver to ever score points when he got on the points at the start of the 2015 season. And in 2015 and 2016, Max was teammates with Carlos at Toro Rosso. According to Helmut Marco, who later said this, they apparently had a toxic relationship at the time, but they do (laughs) seem like friends now, as do Max and Charles. So I guess some of it from when they're young is water under the bridge. 
Then he got to Red Bull. So in 2016, in the middle of this season, the Red Bull driver, Daniel Kvyat, was underperforming. So in the middle of the season, Red Bull demoted him to Toroso and gave Max his seat instead to partner with Danny Rick. And notably here, they chose to promote Max instead of Carlos. And that was kind of one of the big impetuses why Carlos later left about a year later and left the Red Bull family entirely. Max was 18 at the time. He showed up to his first race ever with Red Bull at the Spanish Grand Prix and won. Oh, my gosh. He won the race. (laughs) He was the youngest ever F1 race winner at this point. And this gives a good context for why we joke about this now, why Red Bull is so Team Max. They just knew from a very early point that Max was a future world champion and was a really key part of their plan to claw back to victory after they fell from the top in the turbo hybrid era. So Christian saw this and was like, yes, (laughs) this is my guy. (laughs) So Max's driving style is really interesting. When he was young, he was a real firebrand. Many would say he was definitely very aggressive and maybe is still very aggressive. He could also be a little bit immature off track. Of course, he was only 16 or 17 and 18 at the time, but multiple drivers criticized his driving style as dangerous. And at one point in 2016, Kimi Raikkonen said that Max would cause a massive accident at some point if he kept driving like he was. And in 2016, commentators were even already comparing his style to the ruthless styles of Schumacher and Senna and also comparing his talent to them. So he's definitely been a world champion in the making for many, many years. 2017 and 2018. So Max, these years, he finished P6 in the championship in 2017 and P4 in 2018. So a slow and steady climb up the grid here. He was still driving with Daniel Ricciardo at this point. They definitely had their moments of super high teammate tension and rivalry, but seemed to get along well now. And I think at this point, Max was widely regarded as a phenom, but he was also continuing to get a lot of very warranted criticism for his driving style. And he had a lot of crashes, spins, other mistakes, and sort of mistakes that I think would be shocking if we saw them from him now. Obviously, a big sign of him improving over the years. And in 2018, Max infamously wrecked during practice in Monaco and his car couldn't be fixed for quali. And he was literally in tears in the pits. And he had a lot of other crashes in 2018. Even Christian publicly criticized him and said he needed to stop making mistakes. And at the end of 2018, he had an infamous crash with Ocon after Max was going to win a race and Ocon hit him while trying to unlap himself. And Max shoved him in the paddock and had to do FIA mandated public service, which is quite wild. But yeah, these mistakes, we we would not expect them from him now, but he everyone comes from somewhere, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's... It's uh, definitely such a good indication of how a lot of these drivers are so mistake prone in their younger years and then can really mature and become the all around drivers that we see now. So 2019 to 2020, he was P3 in the championship both years. At this point, Max was 21, 22, started to mature more and started to cause a bit less drama, both on and off the track. And this is the start of the really consistent and sometimes even flawless driver that we see today. And he raced with Gasly and Albon during these years. But this was that post Danny Ricardo pre Checo era where Red Bull really struggled to find a number two driver who could even remotely keep up with Max's pace. He really just blew them out of the water. So that's why it was also such a big deal when they 
found Checo. The 2021 season, you all know what happened here, so we won't get too much into it. The TLDR's Max was world champion, decided under very controversial officiating decisions by the race director in the final race. And it's good to note that while Mercedes did have a comeback later in the season, Max had more wins and pulls than Lewis. He had three DNFs to Lewis's one DNF. So it's not totally like the title was unwarranted, but there are definitely lots of people who think there's a big asterisk over last year's championship. So this year, I guess, in a sense, is a bit of a kind of a a second chance for him to show that he can win the title when there's not Michael Mossy making sketchy decisions in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now we get to talk about his personal life. So his off-track life, like a lot of Formula One drivers, really humanizes him. He's quite blunt in interviews, and that's definitely his style in front of the cameras. But off-track, he seems to actually be really funny and unassuming with a little bit of a dry sense of humor. His off-track personality isn't as well-known as other drivers, like obviously Danny Ricardo and comparing him to the likes of that. So he is definitely private in that sense. Him not participating in Drive to Survive the past few years definitely hurt him in this sense since it's really a chance for drivers to show their personalities off the track. So that's definitely a ding for him on that. But again, he's private. He's also not super into social media, unlike the drivers who post personal photos and stuff of them goofing off, etc. Max is just more, he's more like some of the older drivers who just post race content. And that's basically about it. Even Botas and Alonso, I think, post more content than him. I don't think I could ever imagine Max posting a butt picture in a stream. (laughs) Max lives in Monaco and around the paddock, seems to be closest to Lando. His girlfriend, Kelly, just recently posted a picture of Lando with her daughter. So speaking of Max's girlfriend, her name is Kelly PK, and they started dating in 2020. Her father is Nelson PK, a Brazilian former multiple time world champion F1 driver who you probably recognize his name from his racism controversy earlier this year, which Kelly didn't publicly criticize him for. And we talked a lot about that in previous episodes. Kelly previously did social media and marketing for motorsport and now is a model and influencer. She is 33 and she has a young daughter, Penelope, with former F1 driver Daniel Kvyat. So essentially, Max was 22 and started dating a 31-year-old with a one-year-old kid, which is which is funny, but the story doesn't end there. Daniel Kvyat is the former Red Bull driver whose seat Max took in 2016. So Kelly started dating Daniel shortly after Max got him demoted and Daniel reportedly dumped Kelly when their daughter was about six months old. But anyway, all's well that ends well. Max, Kelly and the daughter seem to be a little unit. It's very cute. In a Red Bull behind the scenes video for Monaco, he and Checo were joking about the baby shark song and Max was like, yeah, I hear it constantly at home all the time. So Max seems to spend breaks with his family and Kelly and her daughter, which is cute. So not necessarily what a lot of people probably expect from him or would expect from most guys in their early 20s for that matter. But Max is a little family man right now. And to add on about his relationship with Checo, in terms of the pairings on the grid, it does seem like they get along really well. And of course, they kind of have their moments on track of let me pass type things. 
But in general, they do seem to get along really well. And they've both said in interviews how much they like and respect each other. Max said uh, recently that Checo is such a good example for him as just such a nice guy and a family man. So it is nice to see them have that sort of relationship off track. Thank you guys so much. We will catch you on the other side for a Dutch Grand Prix recap. And we hope you enjoy the race this weekend. <laughs> 